Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that we're here together and we're able to celebrate God's love and God's grace as we continue in our second week of a series called Worth the Wait. Now, what we're doing is looking at four very specific events in the life of Jesus Christ that have a huge impact on all of us who believe that Jesus Christ is God, who is uh, the resurrected Savior. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, these events that take place during Holy Week, or some people call this the Passion of the Christ, these four very specific moments are life-changing to all of us. But think about it. In that In that time, during that period of a week, the disciples didn't understand how all the dots would be connected together. Only Jesus realized and knew what was happening. How about you and me? There are times when we can't see all of the ways that the thread is being woven together in our lives. Each of us can think back at times when we struggled. We said things that weren't accurate. We believed things that weren't true. All because we didn't see how things were actually knit together. And ultimately, the event would come and we would say, wow, This has been worth the wait. Think about it. Waiting isn't easy. Waiting isn't easy for any of us when we don't realize what is happening behind the scenes, how God is putting everything together. There's an incredible story by D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from the late 1800s. He once wrote about how when his father died at an early age, his mother was left destitute. They didn't have anything, no food. They depended on the the love and the charity of other people that they knew. And you would have thought that the children would would have united together in this moment of devastation. But D.L. Moody's oldest brother walked out on his mom. He just left. He couldn't handle it. But through the years, Mrs. Moody put a candle in the window and she prayed night after night after night as she waited for her son to return. Everyone said to her, it's worthless. It's not not ever going to happen. Your son's been gone for so long. But then one evening there was a knock on the door and in walked this this man with a full beard flowing down through his chest and 
The minute that he saw Mrs. Moody, his eyes were filled with tears. It only took her just an instant, and she cried out, My son is finally home. This is what I have been waiting for. He even looked at Mrs. Moody, his mother, and said, I won't walk in until you forgive me. And she got up and she embraced him and she said, All is forgiven. What an incredible, worth the wait moment. Too often a waiting road is paved with hurtful words and bad decisions. And although Jesus was right on track, as every day of Holy Week was unfolding, it was his disciples who couldn't see how everything was coming together. Words were said. Decisions were made. His disciples would struggle in ways they never even thought possible. Last week, our journey began in an upper room. It, it was the setting for an unforgettable and disturbing dinner. This morning, it's time to move to the next chapter in the story. And I want to talk about and help us understand Jesus' prediction of a dramatic denial. There are three bold statements that are found in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll even look at one in the Gospel of Luke. But all of this is part of the story that continued to uh, unfold in the upper room. And I wonder this morning, let's see if any of these bold statements are statements that we would think in our minds. Perhaps they would even come out of our mouths. And it starts in Matthew 26, verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Here's our first bold statement. Wait, Jesus, I will never fail you. The Lord's Supper has been received as we know it today. They had had a meal together. They had eaten dinner with one another. And this is where we were told that Judas would betray Jesus. This is where Jesus took the bread and the juice and he built a bridge from earth to eternity, helping the disciples to begin to realize that Jesus would die for their sins. But added to this is, is a part of the story that we often overlook. Jesus tells his disciples uh, two shocking things, two Two shocking revelations. The first thing that he says to his disciples, he says, 
all of you will fall away and be scattered. They couldn't believe their ears. It was hard enough to embrace that one of the disciples would deny and betray Jesus. But now, the, the fact that Jesus is saying, all of you will fall away, and then tucked inside of this wording from Jesus, he gives another shocking revelation. He says, after I have risen, I will meet you. I will see you again. What does that mean, after I have risen? What in the world is going on? And notice that the disciples are all struggling mostly with this revelation that they're all going to deny Jesus. And it's Peter who is so bold in his assessment. Jesus was literally describing the steps that he and his disciples would take, culminating in a worth-the-weight resurrection. But the shockwave was too much. All Peter could focus on was Jesus' mistaken assessment of his loyalty. Peter declares, he says, I'm not going to deny you even if everybody else falls away. He was dramatic. He was insistent. He was truly determined. In fact, if anything, Jesus was the one that was being too dramatic. But what was really taking place was a revelation, an understanding of who Peter really was. Folks, Peter wanted to be the hero of the story. And he wasn't alone in his foolishness because the other disciples declared, and and let me put it more in in a sarcastic vein. Yeah, what Peter said, Jesus, will never fall away, will never fail you. Is that a statement that you and I have thought about before? Is that something that we thought we had settled in our minds? That we would never ever be someone who would say, Jesus, I I won't fail you. I can think back in my own life and I'm, I'm like, there are times where I have been so specific. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're my Savior. I've given my life to you. But then how in the world do I end up falling short of God's glory? There isn't a single one of us who's perfect. In fact, sometimes our determination leads to even a greater drama in our life because we're unwilling to accept the truth. A well-known pastor from years ago, Gordon MacDonald, shares an insight after having an affair. 20 years later, he wrote, I've spent more than a little time trying to understand how and why some men and women in all kinds of leadership get themselves into trouble whether the issues be moral, financial, or the abuse of power and ego. I am no stranger to failure and public humiliation. From those terrible moments many years ago in my own life, I have come to believe that there is a deeper person in many of us who is not unlike an assassin, 
This deeper person can be the source of attitudes and behaviors we normally stand against in our conscious being. But it seeks to destroy us and masses energies that unrestrained tempt us to do the very things we believe against. Wait, Jesus, I will never fail you. Sometimes when we're waiting with anticipation for the next door to open, when we believe that there is a worth-the-wait moment that's coming, sometimes we become too self-reliant. Peter could have and should have fallen at Jesus' feet and said, Jesus, you know all things. Help me. If I'm going to deny you, help me. But instead, Peter doesn't hesitate to make a bold statement. Wait a minute, Jesus. I will never fail you. I think you and I need to be reminded that honest humility is the only path that leads to a life of continual dependency on Jesus as our Savior. Before Peter could ever experience a worth-the-weight resurrection, he would fail, just as Jesus said. And sadly, the drama isn't over yet. Let's go to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Now, I want to be clear before I read this, that this is another insight about the same night, the unfolding of the same events. But Luke gives us, as a writer, an additional insight that helps us understand the dramatic denial that's taking place. Let's look at the passage. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Here's our next bold statement. Wait, Jesus, I will never deny you. Now, now just let's really let the, the statement penetrate our minds. Often in a worth-the-wait season, when we know that God is doing incredible and amazing things, that's when the drama begins to increase. The struggles begin to mount. And instead of staying determined in the direction that God wants us to go, we become like Peter. We dig our heels in. We're not listening to what God is saying. We're not taking the cues for what we know in our heart and mind that God's Spirit is warning us about. Have you been there? Have you done that? Have you, have, have you uh, made a decision that ultimately was not the right one and you knew it from the very beginning? Have you said something that words that you couldn't take back? This is why I think this next bold statement is crucial. Jesus, I will never deny you. Obviously, Peter was overconfident. Some might even call Peter arrogant. Hey, we can all 
be cocky. We can all refuse to listen of the truth regardless of how important it is. We, we become stubborn. We deny it. And Jesus is clear. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Satan wants to sift all of you, but I prayed for you. I prayed for all of you, but Peter, specifically, you're a leader. When you're sifted, you've got to move through this because there is a worth-the-weight moment coming, and I need your leadership. I need your loyalty. What does Simon do? He, he denies it. In fact, I think it's interesting that Jesus refers back to Simon's name before he changed it to Peter. Peter the rock. Peter the leader of the future church. He looks at him and he says, Simon, Simon. He says it twice as a warning. He's leaning into his life. He's reminding him that he's not perfect. The word sift is actually a, a, an idea of sifting wheat. It would have been a, a picture in their minds that the disciples would have clearly understood and been able to wrap their minds around. To sift means, in this context, to separate what is desirable from what is undesirable, and specifically, Satan wanted Peter to crash and burn. If Peter would fail Jesus now, he would always carry that failure with him. At least Satan wanted him to believe this. That there would be no forgiveness. There would be no grace. And I want to stop here this morning and I want to say to you, if you're in, in a struggle with Jesus, you're denying Jesus, you've got something in your life that isn't right, you know that there's a correction that needs to be made, I want you to know this, that regardless of our dramatic denials, Jesus Christ wants to give us grace and peace and mercy that he alone can give us. No matter how we fail him, failure never has to be final. But too many times, our struggle is with ourselves. Wait, Jesus, I will never deny you. I was called to ministry when I was 16 years old. And I knew it. it. It was obvious how it happened and when it happened. That's a beautiful story. But by the time I was going into college, I fell back into the mindset that I wanted to be an attorney. It was something I had thought about when I was a, a young boy. I loved history. I loved the discussions about the law. So when I went to college, I... I became a pre-law student. I had denied the calling of Jesus on my life as a pastor. But it didn't take long. Two years into the program, my heart could not find peace. I couldn't get settled. And I found myself thinking things and doing things that weren't healthy. They weren't right. They weren't pleasing to God. And when I traced that thread back, I realized that during this worth-the-weight process, when God had called me to be a pastor in his kingdom and ministry, I, I traced that thread back and I realized the struggle that I was having was because I had denied what God had called me to do. 
It wasn't until I embraced my calling and began to walk a new path that I realized what God really was doing in my life. The dramatic denial needed to end so that I could realize that God had a a plan for me that would not only change my life, but be used to change the lives of others. Sometimes our worth-the-weight moments can only lead to change when our obstinate denials actually become defining moments when we learn the truth about ourselves. And only then can God, God's transformational truth set us free. You see, Peter made it worse by refusing to lean into the truth. Peter basically was saying to Jesus, whatever, Lord, you don't really know me. (laughs) I would die for you if I must. Chrissy Kirkman gives this incredible insight. Satan loves conflict. He'll put thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in your head and twist your words to cause chaos. Let him know you're on to him. You don't have to take it. Wait, Jesus, I will never fail you. Wait, Jesus, I will never deny you. The drama in Peter's life was overshadowing the truth that Jesus lovingly and gracefully was sharing with him. And before it would get easier for Peter, his greatest fear would come to pass. Let's look at Matthew's Gospel again, chapter 26, and let's look at verses 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, and on on an oath, with an oath, he said, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them, your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Here's our third bold statement. Wait, Jesus, you know me best. If we fast forward from the upper room, we see that Jesus has been arrested. This is where the setting takes place. Peter follows Jesus as he is led from place to place by the Jews. In this context, Peter sits in the courtyard. Perhaps this is Annas' father-in-law, the high priest, his home, his courtyard. And many people are moving in and out of this location. But Peter's presence would not go undetected. As he stood warming his hands 
In the cool of the evening, a servant girl sees him and recognizes Peter as a disciple of Jesus. What the servant girl says to Peter is really harmless. But Peter's reaction is harsh. He realizes people are watching. Matthew indicates that Peter does the very opposite of what he should do. He should have confessed Jesus as the Christ, as he had done earlier in his life. But in this instance, Peter confesses not to know Jesus for his own personal protection. I don't know what you're talking about. An hour or so later, another person recognizes Peter. Peter was walking with the popular Jesus, and it was awesome. But now that Jesus is in chains, he's, he's been arrested. Peter has a concern for him from a distance. Once again, Peter denies knowing Jesus. This is the second denial. Somebody says you're one of them, and on an oath, meaning swearing by his own word, he says, I don't know the man. But Peter hangs out. Peter waits. I wonder, did Peter even remember the words of Jesus? Was he so dramatic in his own denial that he has already overlooked the fact that he's denied Jesus twice, two down, one to go? Why is it when we know our weaknesses and we see them begin to take over, instead of choosing to partner with Jesus, we refuse to embrace and lean in and ask God for his help? Peter remains in the shadows. Many people want to be near Jesus, but they don't want to be close to Jesus. That's Peter. He remains self-sufficient. But self-sufficiency never works out in the end. And the third denial is about to take place. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed, and with each obnoxious screech of that chicken, Peter was reminded that Jesus knew him best. We're all weak. We've all sinned. Jesus knows our dramatic denials better than we do. But he also sees our worth-the-weight moments if we'll put our trust in him. In fact, think about it. The hardest person to accept when we fail, when we deny, the hardest person is ourselves. The very pleasure that Satan wanted us to embrace in the beginning now becomes disaster. Once the deed is done, the enemy is right by our side condemning us. But even when we fail, our failure is not. It does not have to be final. Peter's denial actually became a stepping stone for his 
forgiveness and his restoration. I encourage you this week to go read John chapter 21 and see how Jesus restored Peter. And not only was this an incredible opportunity for Peter, Peter would use his failings, his dramatic denial, to help others embrace the worth, the weight, resurrection of Jesus and establish the church that so many of us are a part of today. I want to stop here for a moment with you as we close, and I just want to really speak to you personally. Don't, don't turn off the video. If you're with us this far, just hang in there for a moment, because I believe this is a worth-the-wait opportunity. Where are you struggling with Jesus? Where are you struggling with him? Where do you feel like you're failing? That there's no hope to move forward? What, what are the things that you're doing that you think nobody else is aware of, but God knows? Just like Jesus knew the denial that Peter would have. He knew the hearts of his disciples. Jesus knows us. Jesus, you know us best. And right now, I want all of us, because I'm included in this, I want us to pray. And I want us to get real with God and literally say to Jesus, you know us best. You know me best. Come and invade my heart and mind and help me to embrace the truth that will set me free. Can we pray that together? Just real and honest. You may have been having a, a, a whole season, a whole lifetime of dramatic denial, but today it can stop. We can come into the presence of Jesus as we're going to do, and he's about to set us free. Let's pray. Father God, I'm asking that those that are online with us would just bow their heads. And God, as we're praying, you know us. You know us best. You know our struggles, our worries, our fears, our sins, our addictions. You know where we have been such dramatic, uh, been so dramatic in our denial. And God, I'm praying right now that you would help us to find forgiveness, that you would empower us right now, Jesus. We're confessing our sins to you. Even the ones that we haven't committed yet, but you know that we will. Right now, we just want it all to stop. We want a clean slate. Right now, God, forgive each and every one of us of our sins. Help us to break chains that bind us and help us to find freedom. That all of these struggles that we've been through will be woven together in a tapestry that when we see the picture, it will be worth the weight of what you're actually doing. Help us, God, to trust you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Wow, I hope you prayed that prayer. And if you did, will you just reach out and let Liz know? Hey, Pastor Liz, I prayed that prayer. Tell us how we can partner with you. Don't struggle alone the way Peter did. 
And please, whatever you do, don't think that failure and denial is final. Because Jesus can give us a new beginning if we'll trust him. It'll be worth the wait. I love you, and until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below, and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners, and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast, and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.